Welcome to the Free Parking Show with your hosts, Amos, Rich, Ryan, and Peter. Four sports journalists cover the world of sports with the utmost professionalism, or as much as they can muster after five beers. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show here on the Weekend Recap. We got a lot to talk about tonight. This is actually our second try as the first uh, time that we tried to do this. It did not work. So we are recording again here uh, for everybody's pleasure. Uh, You know, listen to us. We'd love to hear from you tonight. but we probably won't uh, because of the the weirdness that went down. Of course, we lost the radio. Way to be positive. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we have you. But if we do, two five two six two one two zero six five is the text number. We'd love to hear from you tonight. Uh, if not, you know, of course we understand with, with this uh, this being the episode that it was. Everybody losing. Uh, connectivity. Uh, but first thing, of course, we're going to jump right into uh, Peyton Manning, guys. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know the full story, I'll explain it real quick before we head to Rich and Amos, who are on with us tonight. Peter, of course, could not make it. Here's the big things you need to know is uh, a group of women from the University of Tennessee uh, filed a Title Nine. Uh, which means that like a lot of the players at the University of Tennessee have been cited in this during the time that Peyton Manning was there, which was 95 to 98, or uh, 90, 94 mm. to 98, excuse me, uh, filed this complaint about a lot of like sexual assault, sexual harassment, kind of things that went on. So one of the women that are in the lawsuit have complained about Peyton Manning putting his genitalia on her face during during an exam. Uh, Peyton Manning claims that it was just a uh, um, he mooned another uh, player that was on the team. Uh, so this is what I'm going to ask you here is the first thing is um, do you feel personally that it is true? <clears throat> Uh, what she said or what he said, and and just just to know. I mean, this is completely speculation. None of us were there, of course. Uh, so just out of speculation, do you think that it's true or not, Amos? Uh, uh, uh well, I mean, yes and no because now that like I rehear it and I keep hearing it, like so she says that Peyton Manning did what he did and Peyton says, no, it was mooning a player or another teammate, which me says that there was probably some illegal contact of some kind there. And I feel like a flag should have been thrown. But besides that point, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a little bit of truth there or else this wouldn't even be brought up. I feel like, you know, it is something that's just going to get swept under the rug. It's something you're not going to hear about in six months, but I think it's something that garners the NFL attention, whether it's negative attention, positive attention, same thing that goes with like the whole concussion thing is it, you know, attracts ratings and everything else. And it's going to be, you know, something that gets talked about through or until free agency. But yeah, no, I, 
I'm on the borderline of, yes, it probably really happened. Whether I think he meant to do it, I don't know. Because I know he's probably just an 18, 19-year-old kid. Or I guess more like 19, 20. But still, like, he comes from a very, I, I don't know. Like, I don't see that being something Archie promotes growing up as a kid. Even going there, I feel like maybe Manny has a little more class than that. I mean, other than, I mean, he did moon a teammate, but... I don't know. Like I said, there probably is a little bit of truth there, but I don't know if it was anything intentional, and I just think it's something that gets swept under, and, you know, whatever that takes for that to happen, I think will happen. Rich, what do you have to say on this? I know we recorded this earlier, but I still find this whole story hilarious. What? I mean, it's like I said in the last show, it's college, man. Everybody lives a college lifestyle when they're 18, 19, 20 years old. We all did stupid stuff growing up. I know I've done my share of goofing around when I was in high school. You know, my first few years in the Navy, I considered my college life. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of don't want to believe it, but something tells me that it's probably true. If that makes any kind of sense, you're like, it's Peyton Manning and, you know, we touched earlier that it was the whole, had he done this, like, recently, I'd have a problem with it. But since it was high school, and like I said earlier, 20 years ago, I just, I don't think, I don't really see an issue with it at all. But like I said earlier, that had this been Tom Brady or anything to do with the Patriots, ESPN would be driving this thing right to the ground. I'm going to agree with parts of that for sure. The first part is, uh, I, I think that if it was somebody else, it would be driving it into the ground. But the reason that I think that is because of Manning's stand-up career. You know, he's never given us, until this year, of course, last month with the HGH thing, he's never given, up, given us a reason uh, to doubt him. And, of course, everybody loves the fall from grace. So I think that uh, causes a big reason why this is a story. Whereas, and I have nothing against Tom Brady, uh, but I do believe that Tom Brady, of course, has had a more, um, how you say, controversial run uh, than Peyton Manning has had with the you know Deflate Gate, uh, the taping of the Jets practice, etc. I think that. Peyton Manning has had a, a more clean run uh, to where he's been, or at least perceived that way. That being said, I think that because uh, Peyton Manning has this squeaky clean mentality, this squeaky clean uh, run um, in the people's minds, and, and the average American Joe Snuffy thinks that Peyton Manning is such a stand-up guy, that that is the reason why none of this stuff will stick to him uh, in the long run, and his legacy will be intact exactly how it already is. Amos, uh, I'm going to ask you first. Do you agree with this uh, to any extent that this is not going to touch his record? Do you think the HGH uh, debate is going to touch his record at all? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think either one. Unless the HGH thing really pans out to be something and they find something, I don't see anything ever really touching his record. <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, if I'm Peyton Manning, like I would rather be like I'd rather have people think, all right, he was 1920 and dumb, 
and placed his genitalia on a female uh, athletic trainer's forehead that rather than, uh, oh, hey, I had to use steroids to make myself better in the game. So, no, I, I really don't. I don't think it's going to tarnish it. And I think that's a lot because how he's marketed himself. And if either one are true, I don't think it'll come up to anything because I just run into so many people who – even if they're not football fans, they love Peyton Manning. They hate Tom Brady. They love Peyton Manning. They hate Cam Newton. It's just I, I don't see really much touching him in general. Would you agree with I agree with you 100%. Bruce? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Peyton Manning's been like one of the faces of the league for many years. Uh, you know, uh, Brett Favre and his Jen Sturger incident, the whole – controversy surrounding that and he told his wife Deanna he said hey I'll never do it again and they live happily ever after at least as far as we know but like I said I I think he's more concerned about the HGH thing than he is about what happened back 20 years ago and and that's just like I said we all have our dark side back you know when growing up as kids or you know we've all done stuff we're probably not proud of and that's just probably how he sees it. Like, he's probably going to be wondering himself, so why are they reporting this now? So that, that's just the way I see it. It's just something that happened way before his NFL days. Yeah, you said a lot there that I agree with. The first point is, this is 20 years ago. I mean, it's 2016. This is a report from 1996. 20 years have passed since then, uh, and nobody's ever said anything about this. The other thing, and I said this earlier when we recorded, was, you know, a lot of times in cases like this, uh, and this is per a friend of mine who is an attorney, a lot of times in cases like this, they will add stuff on um, to the case so when things start getting uh, dismissed, you still leave the bulk of the case. And, And the point that I brought up is, say me and Amos get into a fight outside of a bar. Amos punches me in the nose and he breaks my nose. Uh, and then Am- or Rich is there, but he doesn't do anything. I'm going to say, you know, Rich kicked me in the shin. Amos punched me in the nose and broke my nose. Uh, you know, then Rich uh, dropped his knee into my head and Amos uh, threw a cigarette on me or whatever. I'm going to say all that so when things start getting thrown out, the core of the story will stay that uh, Amos punched me in the nose and he broke my nose so I get the money for that that's the way it was explained to me I do not have a law degree so I can't tell you for sure but uh, it, it makes sense if you think about it the, the, the way that they bring it up so they added the, the Peyton Manning stuff was a lot more uh, juicy or or you know, further than than what it actually was. Uh, I think the other thing, and, and we talked about this earlier on the first show, and I'll, I'll bring it up real quick, is that because, and uh, Amos just talked on this a little bit, the way he portrays himself in the media, the way that everybody sees Peyton Manning, that even if this was true, it's probably not going to stick because he has this squeaky clean persona. He has this... Uh, you know, middle America, a great guy. He's your neighbor. He's he's the guy that picks your your little girls up from ballerina practice. He's the guy that gets your mail when it's sent to the wrong house. Uh, 
he he has that middle of America feel where uh, people really like him. Uh, and I actually have a follow up question on this, but do you think that that? And I know Amos, you talked about it a little bit. Amos, do you think that that plays into it? The the persona that he has uh, applied to himself in the public. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, you look at it; he's a humble guy. Papa Jones commercials. He's done SNL. He, you know, in general, he makes, you know, oh, look, it's Peyton. He's playing football and hitting kids. Oh, it's hilarious. And then the Peyton Manning's Children's Hospital. I mean, they're, as far, like, I don't know, the guy is almost, like, if you're a politician, he couldn't be touched at, to a certain extent by the media or the public. And it's something that the media doesn't want to touch. It's, you know, they've, a lot of these guys have spent so many years covering him and they're going to continue to cover him, whether they, you know, right and wrong goes out the door. It's at that point, you've taken that stance a long time ago. So you got to stand that ground. And I think, no, I just, I don't think anything touches him. I really don't. Rich, would you agree with this? I, yeah, I think, like I said, he's on his way out the door. Nobody's going to, once he retires, this is all not even going to be an issue. The HGH, the the sex scandal of Tennessee. The guy is going to retire, still one of the greatest to ever play the game. And that's just the way it goes, people. We can hate on him for being the rival of Tom Brady. We can hate on him for doing them stupid uh, nationwide commercials with the jingle. We can pick on him. But let's not disrespect the person of what he did on the football field. Set. Million, you know, set all kinds of records. His playoff resume doesn't kind of add up to his uh, regular season resume, but at the same time, one of the smartest players to ever play the football game. It's just, it just amazes me how so much stuff gets blown out, blown out of proportion. It's ridiculous. If he decides not to retire, though, this will be brought back up. All right, here's. Oh yeah, hundred percent agreed. Here's one question. Anybody who's a new listener, I want you to keep in mind that both of these guys are Patriot fans. Uh, but one question I wanted to ask you as Patriot fans, do you think the guys like Peyton Manning and Brett Favre that have this Middle America appeal, you know, these are guys that you could, you know, you could bail hay with, you could go hunting with, you could... You know, you could it could be your neighbor, could be the guy that you know. As I said earlier, picks your girls up from ballerina practice. These the guys that got middle America appeal get over stuff like this easier than guys like Tom Brady, who have the more rich man appeal. You know, he does. You see Peyton Manning uh, doing role or doing um excuse me doing Papa John's commercials. You see. Uh, Brett Favre doing Levi commercials. You see, Tom Brady does like Lexus and uh, and Rolex commercials. Do you think that that has that is a reason that plays into this? That you know people be- find them more believable because of their small town appeal. Yeah, I, I do. I guess here's the thing: is Peyton Manning with the Papa John's thing and the- you know, just all the commercials he does, Brett Favre with the Wrangler is, yeah, they market themselves as, hey, man, I'm just like you. I am your neighbor. If you, you know, if you get off work late, 
or if you're getting off work late, let me know. Yeah, I'll go pick up your daughters. I'll, if uh, your mail gets comes here, yeah, I'll bring it to you. That's not going to happen. It's not worth their time, but it's how they market themselves. It brings them money. Where Tom Brady and, you know, you have Tom Brady and other quarterbacks who are just like, yeah, no, like, I get it. It's marketable, but I'm not going to play that game. Like, I have way better things to do with my time. I'm a superstar quarterback. Like, why? I don't need to market my – I could care less who likes me and who hates me. As long as the fans of the team that I play for love me, keep buying that jersey, and I keep winning championships, that's all I care about. And I to where Peyton and Favre, they give off the speculation that, oh, no. They're your average guy, you know? If you need them to come over, you go over to their house and get some gas off of them to finish mowing your lawn. Like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen, but it's the way they market themselves. Rich, would you agree that this, they say the middle America versus European marketing, do you think that plays a role in this? And why people hate Tom Brady? I kind of agree with that, but I'm... I'm still on the on the fence about the whole hate thing because I don't think they necessarily hate Tom Brady. I mean, they do, but they don't. I think they hate that the fact that the Patriots are always right then and there, you know, right in the mix with a Super Bowl year in and year out. In America, it gets tired of seeing a winner unless you're a fan of the team. And I've always said it, they hate us when you're winning and they love us when we're losing. And that's just the way it goes. But I, I can see the whole... Papa John's commercials and the Wrangler commercials and now Brett Favre's doing the razor commercial, the best, what is it, the best $12 razor you'll ever buy or something like he's trying to complete with Dollar Shave Club or something like that. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that, but, you know, Tom Brady, you know, he, he's been outspoken in his career about, you know, always supporting what the league decides and everything else. So I, I see a little bit of the the way they're marketing versus, you know, the way the Patriots are built to always be contenders. And if you don't love the Patriots, you just tend to hate them because they're always right there. All right. So the next thing we're going to move on to here um, is Matt Forte, uh, a guy that is synonymous with the Chicago bears, a name that uh, as soon as you hear it, you think Chicago bears um, of course was let go by the bears this, this uh, past weekend. Uh, I first want to ask you guys, is this a smart move by the Bears? Uh, Rich, I'm going to ask you first. Do you think this was the right move by Chicago? Absolutely. Guy's sitting at, you know, on the wrong side of 30. He's not worth the money that he was asking for. But then again, you know, I I think the Bears, you know, we saw them get rid of Jared Allen. We saw them get rid of uh, John Bostick. Now, you knew the Matt Forte thing was coming off. They traded a Brandon Marshall in the offseason. They've got a new day. They're going to their second year with John Fox. They've got all this money wrapped into Jay Cutler, which is still one of the most ridiculous contracts that we've seen in, like, the last five years for any amount of player. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to get younger. So that's the way you go. I think, you know, they've got the Alshon Jeffrey contract coming up as well. And Matt Forte, now Matt Forte is saying, well, I don't want to get paid like a superstar. I just want to win a Super Bowl ring. So I think it kind of works out on both sides. But that, that's just the way I feel about it. I, I think they did the right decision. I think, like, it, it just helps both of them. Yeah, I agree. I, I absolutely agree. I think, it's, I think it's great for both sides. I think it's the best business decision and really kind of helping one another out. 
Because here's the fact is they get rid of Jared Allen, they trade him, he goes to Carolina, they trade John Boss of New England, and now they cut Matt Forte. Obviously, they're getting younger. There's a scheme change. Jeremy Langford there is a guy who showed up when Forte was out and really picked up where he left off. He had that awesome screen pass for a run for a touchdown. I had him on my fantasy team for that week, and my God, did he save my team that week. And he's just, even when they split carries, they, for the most part, their stats were split right down the middle. And I just, I think it's smart. I do. And I, I think Forte deserves to be on a championship contending team. And quite frankly, if Cutler didn't have such a high salary cap, we all know he'd still be there. Nobody's just going to trade for him. There's nobody that's going to take that risk on a quarterback who's probably going to throw like, I don't know, 23 touchdowns, but he's going to throw 20 interceptions and he's getting, you know, over that peak of his career. I just, I think it's a good decision on both sides. And I, you know, I think John Fox is trying to get his guys in there. That offense he wants to run, that defense he wants to run. And I think Forte's better off going somewhere else and trying to get himself a ring. You hear, uh, of course, my partner in crime, Amos Conway, bragging about his fantasy team over there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I, I'm going to agree with you here. I think that this is the right move for the Chicago Bears. Jeremy Langford proved himself to be the guy to go to. Uh, Matt Forte, of course, more expensive, far older. Uh, you know, Langford being as young as he is, that you're going to get a guy that has a good future ahead of him instead of a guy who has most of his uh, career behind him. Matt Forte, of course, uh, uh, being one of the greatest uh, at his position for what he's able to do uh, of all time. Uh, Langford coming in as a very young guy, but you get a guy who's young, got a lot of years ahead of him. Of course, has the better value because he does not nearly uh, cost near or cost not nearly as much uh, for what he's able to do. I think it's a great decision by them. This next thing I'm going to ask you real quick here is where do you rank uh, Matt Forte among the greatest pass catching uh, running backs of all time? We'll start here with Amos. Uh, what do you think, Amos? Uh, I'm definitely going to go with top five. And, I mean, it's it just – I don't see how you can. He's, what, two years removed out of catching 100 balls. And I think they – even when they played New England, New England's great secondary. Like, Matt Forte was the only one who did anything for Chicago in that game. And I the guy's great out of the backfield – and not only that, he's so good. He understands routes. His his football IQ for like almost you know being that split back receiver is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, that's not something you come across every day. That's very very few players that I've ever seen be able to do what he's done at such a high level on a team that's not been very good at that. Like a lot of these running backs that we talk about who are good catching the ball out of the backfield have been very very good perennial playoff teams or at the time, at least for, you know, had three or four runs a year where, or three or four years of a run. And uh, just Matt Forte's done it with whoever has been at, or under center. And I think he'll continue to do it to wherever he goes. Yeah, oh, I don't I see how you can not put him. Yep. I, I don't see. Yeah. You said top five and I, I agree with you. I don't see how you cannot put him in the top five, uh, and like like we said in the recorder show, there's only a few up there. You can look at uh, Marshall Falk, 
Kevin Falk, Brian Westbrook, uh, and I still can't think of the guy's name down in uh, New Orleans. I think it was uh, Pierre, uh, Pierre Woods was his name, was the other one that was real great at doing that. Wood, and uh, more recently, Shane Marine. But I, I think he's going to be great. He's going to be a great idea. He's going to be a great uh, puzzle piece to someone that needs that kind of versatility that he provides. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. The, uh, the first name for me that comes to mind is that uh, Brian Westbrook. But there's been plenty of guys that have had great hands out of the backfield. Um, to me, you know, Matt Forte is up there. I, you know, we'd have to in-depth look at the stats here, but he's at the top of the list, if not the top of the list, uh, for what he's been able to do for his career. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, we're going to ask you real quick uh, before we hit the halfway mark here of the show. Real quick, give me uh, one or two places where you think uh, Matt Forte could end up because it doesn't seem like he's ready to retire. So where do you think he ends up here, Amos? So I'm actually going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to go with New England and Houston. I said Seattle earlier, but they're – Wilson's really just trying to get the ball down the field, and they've really kind of laid back on how much they get the ball to the uh, running back out of the backfield. So, yeah, New England and Houston, especially with Houston getting rid of Arian Foster. What do you think, Rich? You know, I'm, I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna change it up too because I know I said New England earlier, but still, Deion Lewis is there. They don't have a and. and Kind of Matt Forte does what Deion Lewis did, you know, as as kind of like Deion Lewis, but does a little bit better. But they did just give Deion Lewis that contract, so I'm actually going to agree and say I'm going to say Seattle or Carolina. Still, I don't think he's going to wind up in New England unless you know Robert Kraft decides to open the checkbook up. Here's I was been thinking about this uh, since we said it last time. I said Seattle last time. And I still think I'm going to stick with that. You know, of course, Marshawn Lynch retiring. Uh, so I still think Seattle's a place he could end up. But I'm also going to say uh, the Detroit Lions, who have really uh, struggled to find a running back that can do it all for for them. You know, of course, they have, like, Theoretic there. They have uh, Amir Abdullah. They have... Uh, you know, it's, it's, they keep finding guys that can do one thing but not the other, and they can finally bring a guy that could do it all uh, for a couple seasons for them because they do have a pretty awesome passing game. So if they can bring in a guy in that could that could be their theoretic and or Reggie Bush, uh, but could also be you know their their guy that can run the ball on first and second down, uh, that would be a huge benefit for them. We're going to move into the next subject here uh, before we move. Or I mean, we're going to move into the next subject here. But before we move on, uh, uh, anybody who wants to text the show, we'd love to hear from you. So text uh, the show at 252-621-2065. Anybody listening now, we've had the technical issues, so... Uh, you know, probably not. But if you are, we'd love to hear from you, of course. So moving into the next subject here. Uh, the fact um, that we uh, had the All-Star Game this weekend. We had the NBA All-Star Game. It was absolutely uh, fantastic. 
uh, to watch. I, I thought that I watched almost every event, and it was fun. But there was one event that stood far above the rest, and that has to be the dunk contest. Uh, it is. It was absolutely amazing. One of the best I've ever seen in my life. So I want to ask you a question here first before we get into it. Is this the best all-star game you've ever seen? Uh, Rich, I'm going to ask you first. All-star game, I don't know about that, but dunk competition, uh, you know, I said in the last recording, the Dominique Wilkins one from way back when was pretty classic, and this is by far one of the best ones I've seen in recent years. Sorry about that, Rich. That's what I meant. Best dunk contest I've ever seen, <laughs> uh, Amos. <laughs> yeah, I. it's the best one I personally have ever seen, like in my lifetime actually watching one, yeah. Hands down. I mean, if there's actually competition, there was something there to make it fun. Like, I get it. These guys are out there. They're having a blast. They're doing their thing. But the fact you're drawing the fans into it and you're making, you know, it's not somewhere like, oh, yeah, no, that was cool. Rather than like, you know, oh, my God, heck yeah, let's keep it going. Yeah, best one I've seen. I'm going to have to agree with you. This was amazing. It was it was unbelievable. What, uh, Especially, I think we'd have to narrow it down to two gentlemen. Uh, we're able to do here. So that's my next question coming in here is, I think to every fan watching, uh, I, I mean, I, I think that you would have to say it came down between uh, two guys here, and that is Levine and uh, Jordan. So I'm going to ask you point blank here, gentlemen, uh, who do you think deserved to win? Because we all know that Le- Zach Levine did win. Who deserved to win? And why, uh, Rich, I'm going to ask you first. I do not see how in the heck that dunk we talked about in the last recording where he jumps over the, the mascot, throws, grabs the ball, throws it under his legs, and was able to get it up with the athleticism and slam it down. That that alone right there was the dunk, that, like one of the greatest dunks I've ever witnessed. But at the same time, going back to your original question, I think they got it. It's hard to say that it, he deserved to win that because the other, the uh, the one, the guy that won had so many great dunks as well. But I still think they were the safest bet would have it been a like a shared title. Yeah, I see. I agree. I think Gordon probably should have won but i think when it came down to it and what the judges were scoring on was like probably more or less consistency being able to get it done on less than you know there are so many retries but yeah i don't i agree i don't see how the jumping up the mascot under the legs dunking it doesn't win it absolutely shocked me i thought gordon at that point absolutely had it wrapped up it amazed me a little bit that he didn't i mean good for levine they both had excellent excellent dunks and they both put on a heck of a show it can go either way i just thought gordon edged him out that's what that's what a point i've seen it a lot i've seen it all over sports center i've seen it on uh you know personal broadcasts uh people talking about it on facebook and, and whatnot i have a friend of mine who hates basketball I'm not a fan of basketball at all this guy watches hockey and that is it religiously uh, but I guess he had the the dunk contest on that night because I wouldn't even I was 
like inactively watching it. I was trying to spend time with my girlfriend. Uh, you know, I think everybody's guy has been in this mode where he's, if he doesn't spend that much time with his girlfriend, she might kill him. <laughs> so you're trying to pay attention uh, while you're not paying attention. Uh, but he sent me a message and it just said like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> and you know, you watch it and it is, if you're going to say like dunk by dunk, like it was, the vinyl was probably more impressive, but I think that one dunk was good enough to win it all. Uh, from Gordon, you know, when he jumps up, grabs it from the mascot with his left hand, puts it in his right hand uh, under his thighs, and, and then dunks it with his right hand. It's something that, like, I mean, my goodness, we've never seen before. It's unbelievable what that boy's able to do with the basketball. Both of them, of course, able to do with the basketball, but I think that was by far and away the best dunk we saw of the night. Might be the most best dunk I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, so I thought that was a, a really uh, amazing dunk, and I think that the wrong guy, uh, you know, won that event. So I'm going to uh, go into the next thing here. And the last time I asked you a question, you, I asked you who was better the first time we recorded uh, between the three-point contest and the athletic competition. But you both said the three-point contest, and so did I. So I'm going to ask you a different question now, uh, keeping Rich and Amos on your toes here. Uh, Clay Thompson won this, the three-point contest, this time around. Of course, Steph Curry won it last year. If you had... To, if they had to go toe to toe right now, and you know right now in a gym, and you had to put money down on it, in a three point competition, who are you taking? So I'm gonna start with you, Amos. Here, tough question. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, right now, toe to toe, no defense, three point competition. You're putting all your money you got. Who you going with? I'm going to disagree on the tough question because I think it's Steph Curry all the way. And I don't think there's – like I could see the argument for Clay Thompson, but with what Steph Curry has done all the way back to last season, to this season, shooting three-pointers, the percentage. I mean, I think he has like a better three-point percentage from 20 feet out than like almost like what like so many players do from within like th three feet or something. something crazy like that. So, yeah, for me, it's Steph Curry all the way. All right, Amos, which Splash Brother are you taking? Well, once again, I'm going <laughs> to take Steph Curry. Rich, my bad. Sorry, boys. Rich, which Splash <laughs> Brother are you taking? I was going to say, he does it again. I know I, the Amos. I, I need I Amos, Amos and Amos so. on here. I need a second Amos. So I got this right. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with him. I'm taking uh, Steph Curry all the way. I think he's just, I guess he just had an off night, but if you put him nine times out of ten, he's going to demolish Clay Thompson shooting threes. So that's what I'm taking with the step. I'm going to disagree. The only thing that worries me about that three-point – oh, sorry, go ahead, man. Uh, uh, I'm going to disagree, and here's my point. And I'll let you come back to uh, to your point, Amos. Here's my point is I think that straight-up shooter uh, Clay Thompson might be better, but – the reason that we think, um, the reason that we automatically go to Steph Curry is because of his ability to create his own space. I think we've all seen a uh, hundred videos 
uh, if not more, of some poor, poor soul in the NBA trying to play defense against Steph Curry when he makes him look like a fool, throws up a three, and starts stepping away while that ball's still halfway in the air. And then, of course, it drills, and he's at half court when it does. Um, but Steph, but Clay Thompson, uh, when he shoots, it's more open shots, you know, uh, or you know, close to. He has a great three point shot, even when he is contested. But uh, Steph Curry, the difference between the two is Steph Curry's ability to create his own shot. Uh, but if you look at the numbers, I think Clay Thompson is a better spot up shooter. Of course, last year he did not win a three-point competition, but I think that he could have the better three-point shot undefended. You know, of course, the big difference being uh, what they were able to do defended. Um, we're going to move on to the next thing here because we're running out of time. I want to know, uh, moving out of the All-Star, the NBA All-Star competition, I uh, want to talk a little bit of golf here. Uh, Rich, of course, you being the golf guy on the show. Uh, Phil Mickelson had the chance uh, to win this weekend and missed, I believe the exact measurement was on a 5.1 uh, foot shot. Uh, walk us through this and, and, and tell us what you think about this. Hey, it's tough, man. Them five footers that get you every time. There's, there's no, there's no gimme in in the PGA world. Now, if you're out on a casual golf course and you're sitting about maybe six inches to a foot out, they'll just kind of knock the ball out of your way. But I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's tough to say. Phil hasn't won a tour in so long now. It makes you wonder if the age is getting up to him, and it's just now it's become more. I don't think it's the age per se. Let me retract my statement. I think it's the fact that you start doubting yourself, like maybe I can't win anymore. It's more mental than it is the the loss of the talent because he's got one of the best short games on tour. He hits the most magical shots from the – 50 to 100 yards out on a golf course. I I don't know anyone on tour that can work the the short game like he does. The the putts, the putting is just one like they say. Do you drive for show? You putt for no. You've got to hit those, and it's just something that most golfers on tour are struggling with right now is working that flat stick. Amos, being our guy that is not our our golf guy, what do you have to say about this? Are you there, Amos? Yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was my thing didn't work. Uh, I, you know, a little part of me, Phil Mickelson, as someone who I've not watched, you know, I, I'm not a big golf guy, like you said, and he's somebody that when it's been on, I don't know how or why, but I, he's always, I've always tended to just like click over, like, oh, okay, hey, it's Phil Mickelson, and I had a very close family member of mine who is very highly into golf, still is, absolutely loves it. Phil Mixon's one of his favorite ever. And it's just something to me that I just, I don't know, like, does it come down to age? Does it come down to maybe the vision? 
maybe he's got the like the nearsightedness or whatever it's called, where it's like maybe stuff up close. Maybe he measured it wrong. Maybe there's a shift of wind or maybe anything. But uh, it's just sad. It's sad to see that happen to a guy like that. A guy who's been really a consummate pro. He's always carried himself well. He's a very, you know, light tone speaker. Doesn't put people down. He's kind of like, if, if I were to start up a franchise of any kind, I'd probably want Phil Nicholson doing my PR. Like, that's how much I respect the guy, and I think he's been very good at what he's done. But I just, it was sad to see, and I wish better for him, and I hope he comes back at some point when he can, and he makes up for that putt. Maybe he makes, like, a 12-foot birdie. I don't know, but hopefully something like that happens. I'm, I'm going to agree with both of you here uh, and in certain ways. <clears throat> this was sad to see. It is a guy that, you know, you you come to want to see when, uh, as I think Rich pointed out here, it's been a while since he has won uh, at this level. Uh, something else Rich pointed out is this is a guy that we've come to expect the short game from. You know, it's it's a guy that's not going to astonish you with his drives or his his game off the second swing. But you know, you get that into that short game, the rough, especially the rough and the and the the green. You you expect uh, Lefty to make his game up there, and the fact that he played so well off the front end, and and then played uh, played himself basically out uh, by himself. Uh, the, you know, this is something that he had won if he would have played cleanly uh, and played himself out on the last day. Uh, I think, you know, age has to come into it here. You know, if it was just one swing, if that's what we we're talking about, I disagree because everybody has a bad day, everybody has a bad swing or, or whatever. But, you know, these guys are pros. And everybody does have a bad day, as I said, but... I mean, he, I, I believe uh, Rich can tell me, I'm not sure. It's something like six strokes he played himself out of uh, on that last day on the final yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he had a five-shot lead, lost it, actually rallied back to get back in the tie and just missed that last putt. And he missed the putt on the green on 17 and then made the putt on 18. It would have been a different story, but... It, them, like I said, them five-foot putts are just so close, so tough to make. One of the hardest putts to make are the ones that are right there. Because you think it's, you know, you think, oh, I can make this, and then it starts playing in your head, you get overconfident. And I think that's the way Phil played it. He, I think he probably just got overconfident in that putt, like, oh, I can, you know, you know how you get somewhere and you're like, oh, I can do this, and then you really can't do it because you overthink it. Maybe that's just what he did. But I spoke on the, the show before this one, before we had the technical difficulties. I'm just going to touch on it right now. Nobody is putting better than Jordan Spieth. No one's putting better than, you know, Jordan right now is the hottest, has the hottest hand on tour. You can say what you want to about Rory being the, the up-and-comer, but Jordan is going to be the guy to beat this year. I think he's going to complete the Grand Slam. I think he wins the PGA Championship. I think he wins the Open Championship. So, you know, but that being said, the, the talent pools up there, Phil's what, 42 now, he'll be 43 this year on tour. You got young guns like Jason Day, Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, uh, Ricky Fowler, a couple of other amateurs that are up-and-comers as well. So the talent pool, I think, is is starting to 
catch up to to the older the older crew, and we saw it with Tiger last year the struggles he had, and the how how red hot Roy got as well as Jason Day. So I think it's a mixture of everything going on in the world of golf that's just seeing these 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 veterans struggle like this. But don't get me wrong, now I love Phil. Phil will sell tickets to any PGA event. People don't go to see. Freaking uh, uh, Taylor Vaughn, who won this tournament, they go to pay to see Phil. They go to play, you know, they pay to see the stars, and that's what Phil draw, draws is the crowds. So that's what that's what's good for the PGA. I'm gonna ask you both real quick uh, before we move on to the next thing. So, real quick answer here: Do you think we have seen Phil Mickelson play or win his last? Excuse me, win his last PGA uh, competition? No, yes. not 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 even close. And I'm gonna say no because he plays. There's so if you're talking about majors, maybe. But as far as uh, wins in general, there it's a long season to go. Phil could very well win the U.S. Open, the one that he's locking for his career uh, Grand Slam. But I don't think that we've seen the last of Phil this year, or in in the near future. I think he's still gonna win a couple more times before he hangs it up. Amos. Phil Mickelson's like the the guy. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Robin Hood Men in Tights, but the guy who's like, you haven't seen the Last of Us, and then Robin shoots the arrows, and he's like, you've seen the Last of Us. It's Phil Mickelson. I'm gonna go on record and say right now, and I love Lefty, but I'm gonna go ahead and say right now, this is the end. Uh, major, yes, absolutely for sure. This is the last major we've seen him win, but I think this is the last uh, real event. Well, of course, I'm going to exclude pro-ams. Uh, I think that uh, most of our golf listeners, especially, you know, Rich, I'm, I'm sure, uh, would agree. Uh, all of our pro-am kind of competitions, of course, I'm excluding. But any real PGA Tour event and... Uh, of course, all majors. I'm going to exclude. I'm going to say that this is it. You know, he's gotten to that age. But uh, where he's still competitive, but it's going to be like now and then. But the fact for me is there's so much talent underneath him. You know, there's three guys that are fantastic. At, at You know, fantastic players that I think are going to end up uh, and I think that Lefty was one of the best of his generation. You know, of course, as I said earlier, the second best behind Woods. But I think that these guys that are coming up under him are Woods talent uh, kind of players. I think all three could be end up being guys that uh, we consider above Lefty. Um, you know, of course we'll see. Of course it's down the road. But I think these are are guys uh, that we could see pass him. Real quick now, uh, we got about nine minutes left here. We are going to move on to the world of hockey. Amos, I'm going to start out with you here. Of course, on the Beers and Tears show, Amos (laughs) tries to answer the hockey questions the best he can, even though he is... uh, basically illiterate when it comes to hockey but i'm gonna give you the advantage uh over or i'm gonna give you the the answer first over rich since he never gets to answer hockey questions for us steven uh stamkos 
from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him moving. One of the best players in the league. Uh, and now the team's saying not that he is not going to move. Uh, Rich and Amos, I haven't given you a chance to research this. So I'll start out here and then ask your opinion. So you both have a little bit of a chance here. Uh, first question I'm going to ask, and I'll ask myself, is my opinion. I think this is obviously intelligent. The kind of the level of talent that he brings is something that is really hard to replace, even with a couple of players. Uh, you know, he. I think, I, of course, being a Washington Capitals fan, I think Ovechkin's the best talent in the league. But I think there are guys that aren't far behind. I think that Malkin. You know, if Guinea Malkin gives you a good chance of winning games, Sidney Crosby, of course. Uh, both Penguin guys, you you go outside of that. I think there are a handful of guys in the league that give you that chance every night. Uh, they can put up the kind of points that will help you win. Uh, and of course, they're out there. They're all over the league. I think Connor McDavid is going to develop into one of those kind of guys. Um, and I think that Steven, uh, Stamkos right now, in my opinion, is the second best behind Ovechkin at doing it. Uh, of course, with the, we saw the struggles that Crosby had at the beginning of the season. So I think not getting rid of him, of course, is uh, the right decision. And I think another point to this is the performance that he's had this year is what kept him his job. I think he saw, of course he saw what they said at the beginning of the year, that he was going to move. I mean, there's no question that he saw that uh, because of where it was everywhere uh, in the hockey world, but he really performed, and I think he's going to keep his job there because of his performance. I think he wanted to do that. So Amos, uh, being our second uh, best hockey analyst, which is uh, you know basically the same thing as, as saying the, you know, third most beautiful girl in all of Rhode Island. Uh, what is your opinion? Yeah, no, dude. I'm the assistant manager at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I was because this got brought up earlier, I kind of looked at his stats a little bit. And do you know how many goals off the top of your head that Ovechkin has, like, career-wise, out of curiosity? Uh, Ovechkin's just past like the 500 mark. Uh, so he, I think right now he's at like 506, 508, something like that. Right. Stamkos, I believe, is at like what, 298 or something? I believe you are correct. And he's been, yeah, and he's been in the league, what, since 2011. So, I mean, that's five years of really, really solid production i mean these good hockey players don't come out very often there has been a lack of really scores other than you know Crosby, Ovechkin, these guys coming out and being able to do what they do especially as a youth and being able to produce and grow into their role and if you're the tampa bay lightning like yeah no absolutely i would not get rid of this guy because there's always that chance no matter what the record is you if you get somebody in on a free agency or if you draft someone who is there and being able to be solid for you you team him up with somebody, that's going to be something that can give you a playoff push. Yeah, like, obviously, you got to have defense. you got to be able to play defense. But hockey is a thing where it's usually a pretty low-scoring game. But if you can outscore the other team, no matter how the other, you know, I just think that it was a smart move on Tampa Bay's part to be like, all right, listen, guys, we're not going to move him. I do. I think it's a smart move. I think it's the right move. 
and I think they just need to get him someone to pair up. And yeah, I, I really like good for them for keeping him because a lot of teams be like, all right, yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna move you, we're gonna get you somewhere else, and we're gonna get something good in return. And they chose to take the the better route, in my opinion. All right, Rich. I know you are not a hockey fan at all, but uh, do you think this was the right move? <laughs> I have no I have no idea who you're even talking about. <laughs> but if the guy's got talent, I would say uh, keep him there. That's all I'm saying. I have no idea this guy. <laughs> all right. Stamkos is a guy that has a, a ton of talent. Uh, one of the better uh, scorers, finishers in the league. Um, are they Now, the question is, are they wanting to trade him, and what are they asking, or what's the deal? They were go- looking to trade him, but now they're taking him off the table uh, this season. He has played very well. Uh, got himself into the All-Star game, uh, which is pretty normal for Stamkos. Uh, and, uh, but he's, he, they were looking to trade him, but it looks like they are not anymore. And he's, I mean, I think that he's deserved that. Uh, from the way he's played this season, but I think his entire career speaks for itself. He is, I would say, uh, like in my opinion, 100%, I think it's Ovechkin and then Crosby and then Stamkos as best overall players in all the NHL. I, I think Tyler Segan and Jamie or Jamie Ben are kind of ranked up there as well, but then again, I know nothing about hockey and I just – Follow the Dallas Stars, but how old is this guy again? Uh, I believe uh, uh, Stamkos, I believe, is 28. He's 28. 26. I'll, I'll look it up here real quick 20, while you're talking. 26. About... 26? He's 26. Sure 26. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, then, then you, yeah, he's got a lot of room to develop. I, then I'm going to agree with Amos, even though I don't know nothing about hockey as much as anyone else does. That if somebody that young with that much potential, you probably want to keep on to him and use him as a centerpiece to build around it. All right, I'm going to that, give you this last question right here uh, before we leave the show tonight. And I asked this to Amos last week, uh, oh, I, kind of the same question. Yammer Yager uh, actually turned 44 today. Uh, so happy birthday uh, to Yammer Yager, you know the the oldest man in sports. <laughs> um, the man has had an, an incredible career. What he's been able to do uh, for the game of hockey from the start of his career to the finish, it's been unbelievable. Uh, do you think that we have seen, and of course, taking special teams out of this in football? We have seen a guy's career in a sport last this long at this much, at this kind of a pace where he's still one of the better in the league at the age that he is. And uh, Amos, I'm going to ask you first since you have the hockey advantage here. Do you think this is the, you know, the one grandpa of sports that that you could point to that say that man he had a great career in his you know uh, golden years of the sport that he's in. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you know for a guy who's been able to do what he's done for as long as he's done, even with maybe a little 
slip of production, obviously going downhill over the 40. The body just doesn't necessarily agree with what you want to do anymore. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, obviously, he's putting the hard work. He's put in the work on the offseason and everything else. And, yeah, I mean, just, well, you can't give him enough credit. You can't because most guys that, it's such a brutal sport. And in no other sport are you going to see a guy last that long. Who puts in that much work? You're just not going to see it. The yeah, there's a decline, but he's been able to keep productivity, and um, you know, can't give enough credit for him for what he's been able to accomplish with you know keeping that mentality of just keep grinding, keep going. Because I feel like if I were 40, no matter what sport I was playing, or 44, I'd be like, yeah, no, nah, this has gone on like long enough. I'm done. Uh, I'm gonna agree with you there, Amos. I'm. Uh, t- turning 25 next month, and I don't want to run from here to the other side of my living room. So, Rich, uh, what do you have to say on this? Well, there's another name that's still in this, the world of sports going by the name of Adam Benateri from Indianapolis, the place kicker there. He is 43, just turned about 43. Uh, the, according to the uh, the profootballreference.com, it says 43.049. So you see Yager's 44, Vinatieri's, what, 43? So I would say yes in the, in the sense of being in hockey, but Vinatieri's been an excellent field goal kicker his entire career. So I wouldn't necessarily say he's the grandfather of all sports, but he's one of them. See, to me, and I don't mean to hate on your on your Patriot boys there, uh, but I don't think that special teams even counts in, in this category. I mean, you look at George Blanda. He played until, I believe, 48 years old, uh, which is far older and uh, than 43. And But it just it doesn't compare. It's not the same kind of a, a thing. So, to me, it, it comes down, uh, you know, of course, Brett Favre, what he was able to do. Uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, Yammer Yager, who, I mean, geez, Zoe, man. Yammer Yager has even more know. energy than I do. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Vinatieri went to the Colts. He barely still even counts. Yeah, the, the, oh, that's cold. But the, the, the I didn't even know Yammer Yager was still in the is, league. It's unbelievable. The, the kind of energy that he brings every night, the kind of, and you know he plays a lot of those games, man. It, it's not like this is a guy that sets out, you know, like we saw uh, Manning do the last year here, and then if you go back to the ninety-seven, ninety-eight seasons, what we saw Elway do, where he missed a lot of the games during the regular season. Like Yammer Yager will still play, you know, above seventy of the eighty-two games that they play in a season, and still come out and. Uh, and, and and have a great like postseason stuff like that. Uh, Florida, of course, been one of the better teams in the league. Uh, Yammer Yager has a lot to do with that. Uh, and I, I just think that we haven't seen. I think that we've definitely seen. Got you know you bring up the Michael Jordans, uh, the LeBron James of same basketball, the the uh Tom Brady's and Joe Montana's and and Peyton Manning's and and football and um you you bring the like you know the Pele's and uh of soccer and of course the uh the great the Gretzky's and I think we can end the list there uh, of hockey there's guys that are better at this sport but I don't think we've any 
and seeing anybody be as ageless in a sport as we've seen Yammer Yager. Uh, I think that it deserves to be yeah. recognized. We've never seen anybody in hockey, I think, is outside of UFC the most brutal sport in the United States. Uh, and what he's been able to do is nothing short of amazing. I'm going to give you both a chance uh, to give your final thoughts here. Uh, Rich, I'd like you to go first. Final thoughts before we go off tonight. Uh, what do you have to say? Uh, Better Call Sal Season 2 is on my DVR. The season premiere happened last night. Enjoyed the episode of The Walking Dead uh, as well. So I'm going to get off of here and watch Better Call Sal and call it a night. All right, Amos, my partner. Batman's introducing a new chamomile tea. Comes with 40 tea bags. Spare them. (laughs) All right. Was that a shot somewhere, huh? All right, I'm going to. Tonight, I'm just going to say tomorrow, uh, me and Amos, of course, will be on for the Beers and Cheers show. Uh, we'd love to have you there. We're, of course, going to have the, the website running up, so we'll have you text into the show. Sorry we had the problems tonight. Everybody that stuck around, thank you very much. Uh, and big, uh, big happy birthday to Yammer Yager out there today, turning 44 today. Uh, so big happy birthday to Yammer Yager. Thanks for everybody that stuck around. Uh, good night, and thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the Free Parking Show. To hear the boys live, tune in every weeknight at 9 p.m. Eastern.